The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7, episode 563. Today we're picking back up on our series of secrets from the script, the revealing details in the Force Awakens script that you did not get from the experience on screen. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Alvin Johnson with the 501st Legion, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host Alan Voivod and we are going to be spending some time on the Aravana today with Han and Rey and Finn and the Rathtars, which are kicking off our discussion of the secrets from the Star Wars script today. Alright, so Rathtars, huh? Nightmarish Rathtars. And interestingly, when leaks and rumors and spoilers were coming out for The Force Awakens way back when... There were reports of something like the Rathtars, but in a forest situation, if I remember the, the leaks correctly. So clearly it didn't happen in a forest situation, although there had been leaks that uh, Han and Chewie were running away from some giant explosion and some creatures and whatnot, and and possibly this is exactly what they were <laughs> being rumored about, this whole Rathtar situation. So Rathtar, the land octopus, which is actually described as being related creature-wise to the Sarlacc of all things. Can you imagine a Sarlacc digging itself out of the sand and starting to roll around and grab at people? Yeah, that would be pretty fierce. And the details on this whole deal are kind of sketchy. So Han was getting them for a guy named King Prana, and we don't know anything about King Prana's uh, system or background or anything like that, other than that he was obviously a king and had a private zoo of some sort. And according to other sources, he had an ongoing um, rivalry with another royal whose name was Regent Solculvis, S-O-L-C-U-L-V-I-S of the Emoliage system. And they were each competing on who had the better private zoo. And so Prana hired Han to get him raftars for his zoo. Now, here's where it starts to get squirrely. Then Han borrows 50000 from the Guavian Death Gang in order to hunt and capture the raftars, And then apparently borrows another 50000 from Kanja Club for the same job. But how exactly... Is Han intending to pay these guys off is what I wonder. I mean, they're saying, of course, that there's nobody left to swindle, so they all think he was going to pull a fast one on them. But you know what? Yeah, I guess why don't we assume something better from Han? Presumably, King Prana was paying more than 100000 to get all of these Rathars, especially if Han was hiring crew to get them. I mean, really, <laughs> you know? Like, it's got to be the case that there was something better in the deal going on. Why he needed the money from Bali Teak and uh, Tasu Leech, heaven only knows. But he did, and he tried to work the system, and <laughs> the system came back and bit him. And for what it's worth, the Trillium Massacre that Finn mentions to Ray, there is no other information on that that's been released just yet. So that still remains a bit of a mystery. 
Oh, and we did get another planetary mention also in this section of the script. That's the planet Nantoon, and Han and Chewie were there. According to Wikipedia, they stole some artifacts from there and had them stored on the Aravana on their freighter, and the Guavian Death Gang tracked them from Nantoon to the present location and got that whole confrontation started. And representing the Guavian Death Gang was Balatik, that's B-A-L-A hyphen T-I-K. And then, of course, representing Kanja Club is Tasu Leech, T-A-S-U-L-E-E-C-H. And there's only one other of the gangs of either gang member mentioned by name, and that is one of the other Kanja Clubbers. And yes, apparently Kanja Clubbers is plural for Kanja Club. Uh, that would be Razu Kinfi. So... That's uh, R-A-Z-O-O and then new Q-I-N-F-E-E. I had a moment where it made me wonder if there was any force-related thing there. You know, like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, obviously it's got it flipped around. But that would be kind of uh, fascinating to know that there was a force user inside Kanja Club. Doesn't seem to be the case, though. Anyway, that was the person who told uh, the rest of the Kanja Clubbers to search the freighter. And from that point on, of course, it breaks into wild action with the Rathtars. And interestingly enough, when you read the script, I mean, this is a shooting script, so I guess it is supposed to be as close to what actually happened as possible. But it is pretty much like straight up a, you know, an exact read of what you saw on screen. The one thing that doesn't quite translate is that on film, when Finn got picked up by one of the Rathars and was being dragged away and Ray was chasing him around and whatnot, there was a point at which Ray in the movie could hear Finn yelling, but she wasn't sure where it was coming from. And then she saw the bank of video monitors. That's not really indicated in the script. It isn't indicated that she heard Finn calling and couldn't figure out where it was and then saw the monitors. It was just that she basically stumbled across the monitors and was able to figure it out. And then it appears that Finn's jumping around once the blast door had been closed and the tentacle was still attached to him, like his jumping around and like, get it off me, get it off me, or whatever it was that he was saying. I'm sorry, I haven't seen it in long enough. I need to get out there to see it again. Um, All of that seems to have been improvised because there are no lines of dialogue in the script for him in that moment before Ray shows up and the two of them go running for the Falcon. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Tomorrow we're going to be spending time on the Falcon with Han, Finn, Ray, Chewie, and BB-8. And we're going to be spending time on Starkiller Base with General Hux, Kylo Ren, and Supreme Leader Snoke. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. You're listening to this podcast. Maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story, too. Luckily, we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com slash SW7X7. All right, let's wrap it up with trivia. Last time we asked you what doesn't a First Order Stormtrooper's helmet screen out, and that's toxins. Today's question, can you name the two other parties who had possession of the Falcon before it came into the hands of Unkar Plutt? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you're forced to use a blaster to defeat a cyborg, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you like what you've been hearing, support the podcast at patreon.com slash SW7x7. It's not uncivilized, it's destiny unleashed.
This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.